room under the stairs at 540 Jack Gibbs Boulevard. This is Craft. For the sixth year in a row, there's been a mix-up that allows me to bring you Craft for an hour-long Halloween special. This time, featuring a story by Lucy A. Snyder and some hack writer named Doug Dangler. Join me now, won't you? So tell me, what scares you? Name your fears right now while you're sitting in your car or lying in your bed. Halloween is that time of year to explore those fears, to imagine yourself as someone or something else. How did you dress for Halloween when you were a kid? Were you a ghoul, a witch, a movie character? Or, like my brother, every year the same thing, a cowboy? Me, I like to dress up as a vampire with plenty of blood and a black cape and black hair or something terrifying that had no name because I threw it together at the last minute and didn't want to spend very much money on the costume. But whatever it was, I want you to think back on that and think back about that delicious fear as you were walking around Halloween night not knowing who was going to jump out at you or why or where. All those times that people said boo to frighten you. But what you shouldn't think about is these stories as you listen to them, whether you'll just laugh them off or whether these have really happened. Whether there's a tiny creature waiting for you somewhere with sharp yellow claws and cracked blue skin looking for you to fall asleep so it can crawl up on you like it does in one of the stories here tonight or what would happen if you went faster than light in space our first story tonight is a fun little piece of speculative fiction by author Lucy A. Snyder called Duramater Incoming transmission com log walker Deborah 0012122054001. Dear Mom, I'm sorry I won't be home for Christmas. And I'm sorry I left without explaining everything to you, but I signed on to the Kepler Colony mission. It was an opportunity I just couldn't pass up. They were looking for civilians with certain tech skills. I have them because of my coding and quantum networking background, and they're paying a ridiculous amount of money. Andres has been sick with worry about little Marilou's brain tumor and the bills, and I just made the bills go away. She'll be talking by the time I get back, but she will be talking and walking, and my little brother won't be bankrupt. I hope that's worth a couple of missed Christmases. It's a four-day shuttle flight to the hyperspace portal, and then I'll be on board the Joliet. We'll be in hyperspace for a year, going a hundred times faster than the speed of light. I'll send messages, and fingers crossed that the tech works right, you should get at least the first ones over the next few months. They'll arrive less frequently as I get further out. I'll be home before the last ones ever reach you, but we won't be able to receive transmissions once we jump. I'm part of the team working on that problem. 
it's a tricky thing getting planet-based quantum communicators to link to a ship that slipped outside normal space-time. Being one of the people who figures that out would be huge. So, please, let me know you got this. And I'll write again soon. Love, Dad. End transmission. Incoming transmission com log walker Deborah 00012140254001. Hi mom, I was really glad to get your message. I, I know you have a lot of questions, and I know you're worried, but really, it'll be okay. First off, the Bartolome disintegrated because of a crack in the engines, not because of a portal malfunction. It was a terrible thing, but they've taken every possible precaution to keep that from happening again. And second, you're totally right. The first bunch of ships to Kepler carried everyone in hibernation pods. Everything was automated, and that all worked just fine. They don't need live crews working these ships, and that's a big part of why my crew is traveling this way. They don't know how hyperspace affects people who are awake and working aboard these ships. Someday they'll need live crews, so they need our data. So yes, I'm going to be a guinea pig. Which is why my paycheck is so ridiculous. Third, this has nothing to do with Mark and Sophia. That was five years ago, and I've moved on. This is me still moving on. And finally, I won't be gone for ten years. My contract calls for a year out, a year working on site, and a year back. Probably in a hibernation pod, unless they need more data. So it's just three years... I'll be home before you know it. Heck, I'll be home before I know it. They're saying a year in hyperspace will feel like just three or four months. But again, that's something they're still gathering data on. So, it'll be fine. Give that niece of mine extra kisses and hugs for me when you see her, okay? And, and I guess if you can spare him one or two for her daddy and papa, too. Love, Deb. End transmission. Incoming transmission com log walker Deborah 00012182054001. Hi mom, we are underway. The jump to hyperspace went off without a hitch yesterday morning, and in even better news, I was able to finally keep some food down this afternoon. We all went through hours and hours of hyperspace simulation, but honestly, the Sims were nothing like the real thing. It's so... weird. It's... it's not just being mostly weightless. I got used to that on the shuttle ride over. It's... everything's just... off. It's like... I don't know where my own body is anymore. And I keep fumbling around. I have no idea what time it is. If we didn't have clocks, none of us would have a clue. I'm dizzy and nauseated. It, it feels less like motion sickness and more like being hooked up to a mild electric current. Our medical team swears all that will get better after a few days, and I hope so. Meanwhile, they're going through just as many airsick bags as we are. We have windows on the observation deck so we can see out into hyperspace. And in its own way, it's the weirdest part of the whole thing. At first, you think it's this expanse of blackness just like regular space, only you can't see any stars. But then the longer you stare out into it, you start to realize that 
you don't know what color it really is. It's a color, all right, it, but not something any human being ever evolved to perceive. One guy, a medical researcher named Vince, gave himself a full-on panic attack staring out at it. Doctor's orders, don't look out the windows more than five minutes. And I'm just fine with that. Love, Deb. End transmission. Incoming transmission com log walker Deborah 00012252054001. Hi, Mom. Merry Christmas. I'm picturing you all at the table eating goose and Aunt Jimena's tamales. Thanks to something Dr. Cedar cooked up, we are all over being hyperspace sick and had turkey and ham for dinner. It really wasn't half bad, although I'm pretty sure it was all soy. I spent a lot of time outgassing in the head afterward. We had a holiday exchange. The stowage limits were pretty strict, but they told us to bring something light and fun. Team building. So I wrapped a couple of bars of gourmet chocolate in snowflake hologram paper, and I got a pair of little bottles of Grand Marnier from Vince. He of the window panic attack I mentioned. Mark loved Grand Marnier. The last time I'd had any was at his wake. Funny how the taste and smell of something can bring so many memories flooding back, isn't it? I couldn't sleep after the party, and I ended up in the hibernation pod rack staring down at the face of this little colonist girl who looks so much like Sophia. I just started sobbing. Vince found me back there and talked to me a while. Turns out he's from Ohio. His folks have a rice farm. He lost his wife in the Lakeshore bullet train crash seven years ago. She was pregnant with their first child. He misses her so much, and it's obvious he still loves her more than anything. I feel for the guy. It's good talking to him, though. Probably most of the crew members have their own heartaches. All of us live long enough. We lose someone we don't want to live without, but we have to keep going anyhow. Love to you all. Make sure you're hugging my niece. Can't get too many hugs at her age. Love, Dad. End transmission. Incoming transmission com log walker Deborah 00001020550001. Hey mom, happy new year. Hope you're having a great time. Engineering made us still in some strong stuff. Vince, Vince says he can see ghosts out the window. He's such a bobo. Love, Deb. And transmission. Incoming transmission com log walker Deborah 00001020555002. Hi, Mom. I'm really sorry for the drunk message I sent. I haven't been that hammered in my life. <laughs> Not as hungover as I expected. Dr. Cedar was handing out a remedy last night and it seems to have worked. But the dizziness is worse than ever, so I'm staying strapped in my bunk for a while.
I wanted to come clean with you about something. When I told you I wasn't doing this because of Mark and Sophia, that was a pathetic and obvious lie. I kept hoping that if I told it to myself enough times, it would become true. Have you ever been so sad and missed someone so badly that you thought your heart would surely stop? And yet, it never does. I feel hollow inside and angry at God for taking them away from me. With all the medical advances we have, why do people still die from the flu? And I brought it home to them, God damn it. In my nightmares, I see them in the ICU, especially Sophia. Watching her struggle to breathe like that, fight and suffer and die anyhow. Jesus, that tore me up in a way I'll never get over. I know it about killed you and Papa too. The first year, I thought, okay, I'm mourning, I'll get over it. But I never did. If I see something that makes me smile, I'll turn to tell Mark about it. And, of course, he's not there. I'll do that three, four times a day. I'll walk down the street and hear a baby laugh, and I'll look for Sophia. And suddenly, in my mind, I'm watching her die all over again. And I still love Mark. I've tried dating. I really have. I want my family back. I want to try for another baby, but I just can't make it work. I can't bring myself to fake it for someone I don't care about. As bad as I still want to be a mother, I just can't get past wanting Mark, and there's no way I can ever have him again. A few months ago, I realized that the whole wide, beautiful world is full of constant reminders of him and Sophia, and the 10,000th time waking up and realizing they're gone doesn't hurt any less than the first and second. Solution? Get off the world. So now I'm somewhere far beyond the solar system, traveling 20 million miles per second, and there are still Sleeping Beauties and tiny bottles of Grand Marnier out here. But it's a whole new year, and something has to change. Love, Deb. End transmission. Incoming transmission com log walker Deborah one Dear Mom, we hit something. Nobody knows what or how. The whole ship rattled around like a carnival ride and I got slammed into a bulkhead. I'm fine. Don't know how long I was unconscious. It looks like all the auxiliary power went out for a while but we're still in hyperspace, and all the hibernation pods seem fine, and the nav computer looks okay, but something's not right with the clocks. We have two atomic clocks on board, and they should be synced perfectly, but they're off by months. There should be no way that could ever happen, and nobody knows what it means. On past flights, they found some discrepancies in atomic clocks kept on different parts of the ships, but, but we're talking milliseconds there. The other thing is, I'm getting an error every time I try to access my sent messages, so I have no idea if the system is transmitting properly or not. Another thing we have to troubleshoot. <sighs> my head really hurts. More later, uh, Vince is having another panic attack. I think he's screaming complete nonsense. I, I better go see if I can help. L love, Deb. End transmission.
Incoming transmission com log walker Deborah 2 Dear Mom, Vince nearly killed himself. He may still die. Uh, Dr. Cedar sedated him and we locked him in an observation room, but he woke up screaming and gouged his own eyes out with his fingers and started tearing his face off. He did a lot of damage to himself before they were able to sedate him again. He's he's tied down now, his face covered in blood-soaked bandages. He's such a sweet guy, it's so terrible what's happened to him. But it's especially hard on his wife, Rufina. She told me she's expecting their first baby. More later. Love, Deb. End transmission. Incoming transmission com log walker Deborah 0000000003. Dear Mom, I found Dr. Cedar dead in the hall outside sick bay. I can't get her face out of my mind. She, she looked like she'd been dead a month. She was all dried out and her lips were pulled back from her teeth in a horrible grin in her eyes. Oh, God. You would have bad dreams forever, so I won't tell you. Her sister, the other Dr. Cedar, says it was an undiagnosed aneurysm, and she was only dead a couple hours. I don't see how that's possible, but she's the doctor, right? I'm really glad Mark is here, and we're patching things up, finally. It's so many nightmares that he and Sophia got sick and died, but she's safe in her hibernation pod, and... He's sitting just across the room. I really missed him, Mom. But uh, I know I haven't been with him, but I I can't remember why we separated or when. I remember the nightmares. But it's been years. Or has it? And I feel like Sophia should be older now, or is that just the hyperspace affecting my memory? I wish I could talk to you. I wish I could talk to Vince. I feel like he'd be able to help me sort out what's in my head. At least he's still alive. Dr. Cedar says she thinks he'll pull through, but she has to keep him in a medical coma until we get to Kepler. We're all still getting error messages when we try to access our message archives. I tracked down a couple of lines of corrupted code yesterday, but fixing them didn't help. If I didn't know better, I'd think the damn program had been rewritten. I wish this headache would go away. Dr. Cedar's meds make me too sleepy and stupid to work. Love, Deb. End transmission. Incoming transmission com log walker Deborah. Oh, 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 four. Dear Mom, sorry it's been so long since I wrote you. I had a bad reaction to the drugs we've been taking for hyperspace sickness. Came down with meningitis, of all things. But Dr. Cedar's getting me squared away. Finally, this headache is getting better. I've been confined to quarters because I can't stand the lights, but Mark's been the best. He's been telling me all about how we're going to give Sophia brothers and sisters soon. I'll be a great dad. I can't wait. 
Club Dub. End transmission. Incoming transmission com log walker Deborah 0000000005. Dear Mom, time has flown. But you know how busy it is when you're expecting. I can't believe how pregnant I am right now. And the babies are so active. Mark is one proud papa. He says I'm the best mother he's ever seen. Dr. Cedar thinks there are eight babies. They get all wound around each other, so it's hard to make them out on the scanner. Dr. Cedar and Rufina have been tremendous helps in setting up the nursery. They've spun their silk everywhere. The whole room is so soft and looks like Santa's beard. Vince is in there, and most of the crew from engineering. They will help the babies get big and strong. I might not make it through the birth, but I'm okay with that. Because my babies will live, and that's what's important. It's been so long since the Kthoth had a good host species. And I can die happy knowing I helped save them. But I don't want you to worry. Mark and Dr. Cedar will do everything they can to make sure I see them grow up. Mark says I'm tough, and I can make it. I have a lot to teach the babies about humans and human behavior so they can fit into the Kepler colony. They'll have to take the places of everyone in the nursery, and that's hard, so I might be gone longer than I said I'd be. But it'll be fine. Once my babies have had babies, we'll all head back to Earth. See you soon. Deb. End transmission. Well, I hope that warmed the space in your heart. I hope you enjoyed that story by Columbus author Lucy A. Snyder. You can find more information about her on www.crafttheshow.com. And now, a little something from the medical community called The Midwife. Has the national debt personally affected each of your lives? Child, and if it hasn't, bring me my cigarettes. Grandma, you know you're not supposed to be smoking. Mama said that you have to quit or you're going to be the death of yourself. Everyone's the death of themselves unless they get someone else to kill them. Now get me my smokes. Here you are, Grandma. That's a good girl. Okay, Grandma. Turn off the TV. I don't care if Clinton or Bush wins. They're all the same. Did you finish cleaning your room? No, Grandma. I'll get it tomorrow. It's mostly clean. Mostly? What's mostly? It's clean or it isn't. Things happen when you don't clean up. There's power and not finishing your cleaning. When I was your age, working for old Martha really made me pay attention to finishing my work and my cleaning. She was my town's midwife. Everybody went to her when they had a baby. And she was old. I mean to tell you old. Older than the hills. Older than I am now. Old and scary. 
but she knew what she was doing, and she was cheaper than a doctor, so old Martha had plenty of business. Most of what there was, anyway. All the women folk went to her when they had a baby coming, even though she spooked everybody with her ways. Sometimes the men would be so scared of her, they wouldn't go to her till the woman was far along. Sometimes too far along. <sighs> Fools. Was she nice? When I was little, old Martha scared me. I stayed away from her place, because it was an old and run-down house. But even though the house was in bad shape, old Martha wasn't. Probably because she kept busy, always doing something. When she wasn't helping give birth, she was cooking something, working in a garden beside a house. Hot summer days, she'd be out on her porch knitting. Who knits in the summer? Seemed like any time I thought about taking a shortcut across her lawn or helping myself to one of her tomatoes, she'd be there on that porch, giving me a cold eye that said, You better think again, girl. Now, one day, my mama told me she talked to old Martha, and I was going to go work for her. Mama thought I could work for old Martha because I'd seen my sisters have babies, and I knew all about it. But seeing them was why I didn't want no part of babies, no damn part at all. I didn't want to listen to some fool woman scream and yell and carry on just because she'd been with a man. But mama said, she's getting along now and needs help. No reason you can't help her. Go help old Martha get it done. What did you have to get done, Grandma? Whatever that old woman told me to do. She'd say, Go get me water. Go get me a pillow. Go get me witch hazel and say... And I did. You didn't argue with old Martha. There wasn't any of this, I don't want a nonsense like today. I was told to do it and I did it. In those days, you did what you were told or you'd get a crack across the face. I worked for old Martha whenever I could when I wasn't in school. I saw her bring a lot of babies into this world. Make a lot of mamas happy. Make a lot of fool daddies pass around cigars to people they didn't even know. Working for her wasn't bad. She just couldn't stand stupid or lazy men getting her way when she was working. Cranky but good, everybody said so. She had her peculiar ways. Like every time we went into the mother's room, old Martha would take a long, quiet look around and at the mother, and she'd smell. Like she didn't wash, Grandma? What? No, she'd smell the room. She'd smell the mother. She said she could smell when things were going to go bad. She could smell trouble, smell problems. I thought she was fooling at first, but I learned she knew what was what. Like early on, when we were working for Penny McCall with her firstborn, when old Martha walked into that room, she sniffed and said, This baby's gonna be trouble. Go get me some whiskey for Penny. And damned if that baby wasn't breech, and Penny nearly died getting her out. Old Martha wrestled with that baby, pushing and shoving on Penny's belly. I thought she was gonna kill her or the baby. But she got the baby turned around and out. Didn't work with Margie Marlowe, though. Old Martha walked into her room, sniffed, and said, There's death here. Baby and Mama was dead by morning. 
First time I'd seen the baby come out stillborn. Old Martha said Margie's heart just broke when she saw that baby. Her fixing to have a girl after three of the cussedest redhead boys you can imagine. When that baby's face came out blue, old Martha pursed her lips and cussed up a storm. Cold was wrapped round that baby's neck tighter than a string on a yo-yo. Never had a chance. Margie just gave up that night and died right there in the room, holding her dead baby girl in her arms. That's sad. Well, that's babies. Most of them come out all right, but even the best midwives lose some. Old Martha, she didn't lose many. Maybe that's what got her in the end. What do you mean, Grandma? I mean, old Martha finally hit on something she couldn't find. Something she didn't know nothing about. All these years later, I still don't know what to call it. It wasn't right. A baby that should never have been born. It was evil through and through. Not so much a surprise, really, given how it came into this world. You see, the richest man in my hometown was Johnny Martin, president of our town bank, a mean, twisty little weasel. Mr. Foreclosure, my folks called him. He took my daddy's farm after a few years of bad harvest. He'd done it in person. And after Johnny took Daddy's farm, Mama ended up working at Johnny's house to pay back what we still owed on the loan. Mama said his heart and his big house were made of stone. She said flowers grow from, well, manure, and Johnny's house was the, just the same. Oh, it had flower beds all around it, water fountains, stone paths through the woods, all that nonsense that rich folks go for. And inside sat his tiny, pretty wife, Jenny. Mama called her Miss Do-Nothing. Said she sat around that house all day, mooning about one thing or another. Always ordering things they didn't need from Sears and Roebuck. Only thing that got Jenny riled, though, was not having a baby. She kept at Johnny all the time about it. Mama said they had seven kinds of trouble getting her with a child. Ended up going to all the doctors there was around us, and then some. Country doctors first, then city doctors, then big city doctors, but nothing helped. Here they were, get anything they want, except what comes too easy to so many young fools, a baby. After a while, Mama said Jenny got so hungry for a baby, she started seeing the craziest fools. Psychics, moon doctors, witch nurses. Finally, they ended up with a river preacher. Who is that? Oh, the river preacher was the dirtiest, awfulest man I ever laid eyes on. Never washed, never. You heard of a dirty blonde? Well, he was the dirtiest blonde. Never combed. Never bathed, looked like a walking dirty white rug. I swear he had sticks in his beard. Sticks! He lived down by the river in a shack just as tumbled down as old Martha's, but his smelled something awful. None of us kids would go near that place, just nowhere near it. Everybody knew it was haunted. A couple of us had even seen ghosts around it. You saw ghosts, Grandma? Didn't I just say that ghosts are real? Spirits! are real. 
Now, some folks like your mama don't want to say so, but I've seen them. I've seen them right in my own house, over my bed, watching me. The spirit world ain't nothing to mess with, child. Terrible things can happen when you do, I know. And I think Johnny and Jenny Martin messed with it. Messed with it because of that dirty old river preacher. These weren't folks who normally go anywhere near somebody like the river preacher. But like I said, Jenny had baby fever. Desperate, baby crazy, and money stupid. And that old river preacher would do just about any old thing you wave a dollar under his nose. Didn't matter to him what happened afterwards, just so he got that money. Mama said they started seeing the river preacher regular like, and before you know it, Jenny was big as a house, going around town cooing about how happy she was because she's pregnant, going on about it to anyone within ten feet of her. I just know it'll be a boy, just like Johnny, handsome and smart. And you know what they say, the worse the morning sickness, the better the baby. I guess this'll be one great baby. Now, old Martha was mad as hell. Damn, fools. Don't know what they're doing. Messing with River Preacher. He's bad news. Bad news. She shook her head, puckering her mouth up till I thought it was going to disappear right up her nose. Fifteen years since he turned away from the light, from the good. What's he got himself up to now? What's he done with them fools? Now, months later, on a night when it's storming like crazy, sheets of rain coming down, lightning flying across the sky, my mama woke me because old Martha had come pounding on our door, saying we had to go up to the Martin place. She said, Jenny's done gone into labor early. None of her fancy doctors are anywhere to be found. Must be all at some kind of doctor party where they blow their money on hotels and liquor. Hurry up and get dressed, girl. Mr. Martin himself drove the car to get us. So out of my warm, dry bed I went up to the Martin house. Johnny Martin sat in his big car right outside my house. Soon as I opened that car door, he was crabbing at me. Hurry up, shut that door. Let's go. You better be worth the extra miles, girl. Oh, she will be, Mr. Martin. She will be. I'd seen the Martin place, but never very close up. Mama didn't want me around while she was cleaning. That night, in the wind, it was like nothing I'd ever seen before. Not because of the size, but something else was in the fall air. Something fierce. Now, they'd planted bushes all along the long driveway to the house and cut them into animal shapes. A bear, a lion, even a wolf with its ears flattened back, and I swear it was snarling at me. They looked like they were alive, just waiting, breathing in the rain, watching us walk up the steps to that back door. Like if I stopped there without old Martha, they'd have been on me in a minute, tearing me up with the thorns. The minute Johnny opened the back door, old Martha pulled back and I heard her sniff the air. This time, even I could smell it. A stink came rolling out that I'll never forget. You know how when you catch hair on fire? And that smell just clings to you, like when you burn them new ropes that melt and drip. The air hung with that evil, and the stink of burning sweat vomit. There's death here! Houses full of it! And it was, and I couldn't stand it. It filled up my nose, it burned my eyes, it hurt me. I must have choked a little, 
because old Martha hit me upside the back of my head. Don't you even think of playing sick to get out of here, girl. That mother needs help. Get in there. We followed Johnny to Jenny's room. I knew it was Jenny's room because it was all done up like her. Frills and lace. Pink and purple. Next to a big four-poster bed with a canopy was a brand new store-bought crib. Fancy carved knobs of white wood fitted out with new blue sheets and carved wooden toys painted 17 colors hanging above it. And behind the screen, near the wall, where he couldn't see Jenny, sat the real preacher, hunched over in a chair, dirty hair, hiding his eyes. Preacher, huh, I thought I smelled you. Preacher didn't say nothing, didn't even raise his head, just sat there rocking and humming, rubbing a string of grimy glass beads, all kinds of weird shapes. Old Martha turned to Jenny, who was moaning and tossing on the bed, eyes rolling around in her head. I swear, I have never heard a mother breathe like that. Every breath a gasp, like each one more hurtful than the last her her hands clawed at her stomach and every few minutes she'd curl up and choke down a ragged scream ah! Ah! how far apart are them pains oh no they seem to be getting closer I guess why didn't you take her to a hospital you got a car she doesn't like doctors she says she's seen too many she wanted John Jr. to be born right here in his home you need to get out and let me work well, she didn't need to tell Johnny twice. He ran like a yard squirrel when you let the dog out. Damn, fool. Preacher, you get out too. Don't you just sit there. Get out! Old Martha might as well have been talking to a tree. All the good it did her. River Preacher didn't move. Except those callous, dirty fingers running beads through his hands and all that mumbling. We went to work on Jenny, doing all the things we usually did, and then some coaxing her, pushing her, checking everything. Old Martha put a knife under the bed to cut the pain, and I got out the string and the cloths. All the while, the rain beat against the windows, the room jumped with lightning, and the thunder It was biblical, girl! Biblical! Scared me senseless. That room put the fear of the Lord into me. He works in mysterious ways, mysterious and terrible ways. And I was about to find out just how terrible. What you got in you, girl? What you got in you? What do you mean? I asked. There's more than one, that's for sure. But it's too hard. Girls got no gift to her. Never felt nothing like it. River Preacher moaned. I looked at him and saw his eyes had gone all wide. He was rocking harder and drool was spilling out of his mouth. I think it's the hand, but it's its not a hand. It, it's a claw. Oh, Jenny. Ah, it hurts. Ah! Ah! I, I don't know what it is. I've never seen anything like it. Oh, you mind her. I'll take care of this. Push, Jenny, push. It's almost there. Push. Ah! Oh, God, it's here, but it's, it's not right. Not right at all. I'm old. I've forgotten lots of things in my life, but I will never forget what she was holding. It was the size of a baby. But it wasn't one. It was dark blue with veined, cracked skin, 
a mass of dark hair covered its misshapen head with two round bald patches at the top of his forehead. Its hands and feet were the worst, twisted in hard, claw-like shapes with three fingers that ended in yellow hooks. The hooks kept moving, curling and uncurling like a snake's tongue testing the air. That thing's mouth moved like he was trying to say something. Its eyelids fluttered unlike any baby I'd ever seen before or since. Jenny took one look between her legs and passed out. Old Martha held that baby and turned it over, careful not to touch those twitching claw hands and feet. God's got love for all his children, but I don't know how he'd love this one. Help me clean it up. The other one will be coming soon. While we worked on the baby, the river preacher sat in the corner, moaning, clicking his beads faster and faster between his fingers and stomping his feet rhythmically, making more of those warlike noises. Martha gave me that baby and it was cold and hard. Its skin wasn't baby smooth and soft, but rough, cracked, dry. I tried to rub it for warmth, but it chafed my hands and I couldn't feel any warmth staying with it. It was rubbing cement on a winter day. We finished cleaning and wrapping it in a blanket when Jenny started moaning. I put that weird baby into the crib and tucked a blanket around it. Lord, the other one's coming. You gotta push, Jenny. You gotta push for your baby. Ah! Ah! I don't want it anymore. It hurts! It hurts, girl. Mother and hurts. Now push. Jenny's head just twitched on the pillow, and I saw that her eyes were rolled all the way back and wide, just like the river preachers. Then she made one big final push, and out came the head and the shoulders, and the second baby slipped out, wet and smooth, tiny and perfect, right into Martha's hands. Oh, Jenny, you got a pretty baby boy here. He's real good. Just looks just perfect. Here, we'll get him all cleaned up for you. We'll wash him up right nice, you see? Look at him. He's so perfect. Ten little fingers and toes. Everything you wanted. I'll put him here in the crib with your, uh, with the other. But Jenny didn't respond. She didn't move at all. Why? Well, Jenny was losing her fight right there in that room. But old Martha didn't give up easy. I need your help, Jenny. Come on now. Jenny, wake up! Jenny? Jenny, get me everything from my bags. We'll get some whiskey in her. That'll wake her up. That whiskey just made her gag and vomit. Old Martha got onto her knees and pulled me onto the floor with her. Lord, please help this foolish woman who went to see that no-count river preacher. Help her. Help her overcome, Lord. Help her to stay here for her baby that needs her, Lord. We ask in your name that you help this woman, this Jenny Martin, Lord. Help her to fight for her child, fight for her baby. Give her the strength to defeat the darkness of death, the abyss. Let her walk in your ways all the days of her life, and let it be a long one. Do not take her from a family that needs her, Lord. Let her stay and raise these boys in your lot, in your pathway, in the love of your son. Let her keep to this earth and always know your love, your forgiveness, and your protection. 
grant her the grace that you give to your children in need, even when they have strayed from the righteous and good, even when they have gone behind your back and made promises and deals with the lowly, the unclean, and unrighteous. Now from my knees on the floor, I was level with that bed, and I saw a dark stain spreading out on Jenny's pretty pink sheets. I looked up to see the river preacher standing over Jenny. He dipped his hands in the stain on her bed and started drawing on her forehead shapes I knew weren't letters. And he pulled some of Jenny's hair and started twisting it around his fingers. Damn it to hell, preacher, what are you doing? You know that won't help. You're too far for that to help at all. You knew what you were messing with when you started this. For the first time, the river preacher seemed to hear her. And he turned to her, his eyes burning, and swimming in his head, his lips twitching like he was trying to say something. But what came out made no sense at all, just sounds. Started all this, you end it. You hear me, you end it. What's happening? I'm coming in. This was supposed to be a simple birth, woman. What's with all that screaming? Jenny's had a rough time of it. You need a doctor right quick. There's worse here than I can help. This was supposed to be a simple birth, woman. What's with all that screaming? Whoever told you this would be a simple birth was lying out of their head to you, Mr. Martin. Jenny has had a terrible rough time of it. Probably because of him, that dirty preacher you brought into your house. He's a healer. He's a lot more than you. What, what are you staring at, preacher? Like always, the preacher didn't answer. He just pointed at that crib and continued to mumble. We all went over to see what I wish I could forget. I'd always imagined the twins in the womb would curl around each other. The closest two people could be love before anything else. But what was in that crib wasn't love. It wasn't closeness. That blue baby was curled on top of that pink baby with its mouth clamped to the throat of that pink baby while slurping noises, lapping noises, drinking noises rose from that crib. A big wet spot spread out over the new blue sheets under the neck of that pink baby. Sweet Jesus, is that my baby? I don't know who the daddy is, but that's no baby. Wait, preacher, don't touch it. Don't try to move it. The river preacher reached into that crib and with his hands touched that cold blue baby's shoulder. His head spun around and I saw a flash of red teeth. Then that baby shimmied up the river preacher's arm, gouging it with its yellow claws quick as a wink and set to that river preacher's throat with its mouth, digging in its claw hands and its claw feet into the preacher's body. Preacher, he didn't know what to do. But he swatted at it with his hands, hitting it with his beads. The beads broke apart and flew all over the room, rolling under everybody's feet. Strange, smooth shapes, nothing like the Catholic beads I've seen then or any other time. The river preacher started dancing around the room, shrieking and clawing at the baby, its mouth now locked on his neck, and that same wet sounds coming out like it was set on an overripe like it was eating an overripe peach, slurping and sucking. Johnny's huge eyes took in the river preacher and the blue baby and the dead one in the crib and his wife. And then he ran like the devil himself was after him, slamming the door behind him. In front of the river preacher's dirty shirt got wet and dark. A deep, 
Where black His eyes Floated to the ceiling Martha Old Martha Pulled one of those Knitting needles Out of a bag And started hobbling Toward him I could see That she was waiting For something And then the preacher Hit the wall hard And slid down it Ugling And whacking his hands Feebly against the baby That was feeding And tearing at his neck Old Martha stabbed her needle right into that baby's back. It pulled its mouth off the preacher and it squeezed so loud. I swear, smoke went up from that needle and it was started to blacken. The smoke smelled just like the stench that had greeted me at the door and I gagged. It burned my eyes again. And I was amazed that old Martha didn't let go. No, she held on. She shoved that needle as far as it goes. Even while the baby's head spun around and snapped out of hands. And it touched its back and it pushed away from that river preacher's body. Shoving its back and all the fluids that were squirting out of it onto Martha's hands. It burns! She pulled away from the baby and I could see that her hands were badly burned. She grabbed the birth cloths and she wrapped her hands. Blood soaking through the thin fabric. That baby pushed its body past the end of that needle and that knob and it dropped to the floor on all fours, its hooves clicking on that wooden floor, its head twisted on its neck to stare up at it. Martha, what is that? I said. For the first time, that baby's eyes turned toward me, looking me up and down. I couldn't move while it took my measure. We locked eyes, and I was looking into an open pit to hell, straight into the eternal darkness of evil, while that vile red mouth started spilling out the same sounds as the river preacher did. And me. In my bag, get me that bottle that says Catholics. I grabbed old Martha's bag, and I moved away from that baby, searching through the bag until I found that vial, and I gave it to Martha. She uncorked it with her teeth walked toward that baby right as she got close and it looked like it would jump on her she flicked some of the fluid in the bottle onto that baby good god did it scream everywhere that liquid hit sent a thick nasty smoke oh then it jumped on Martha landing on her arm and digging in with its yellow claws it bit her driving in those sharp baby teeth into her arms shaking its head back and forth like a dog shaking a rat Martha fell to her knees and then fell forward pinning the baby while it mauled her arm biting again and again she worked that bottle around to where she could pour it onto that blue baby's head curse you demon curse you to hell and be bound there forever God's will on earth be done and be gone with you hitting that baby's head set up big clouds of thick dark smoke it darkened from blue to black and started to cave in like she'd hit it a road killed squirrel in the middle of the summer sun just rotting away in front of me then its head collapsed in another big cloud of smoke and it quit twitching Martha are you alright I asked her no no a long way from it Get me bandages in the cure-all salve. We sat down on the bed next to Jenny's body, 
I smeared salve onto her hands and her arm, and I wrapped them as best I could. I looked at that blackened needle, stuck into the chest of the river preacher. I looked at Jenny, tiny in her frilled nightgown, and I looked at the pink baby. All of them still, all of them bloody. What should I do? I asked her. First, we get Catholic water on every part of that thing we can. Then we find Mr. Martin. I was careful. So careful, girl. I dripped the water onto that thing as nice and careful as you please. But in the end, I didn't have enough of everything. And there was one claw hand left. I'm sorry, Martha, I told her. There isn't enough. Then Martha just collapsed on the bed. I didn't know what to do. So I looked all over that big house for Mr. Martin, calling his name over and over. I was so scared to go outside where all those brush animals were. But I peeked out the back door, and I saw his car was gone. So was he. I told Martha, but she didn't answer. What did you do? What could I do? I waited I waited for Mr. Martin to come back. I waited in that room full of death and stench and evil. I waited and I waited. By the time Johnny finally came back, I was later, drunk as a skunk and twice as smelly with that old sheriff in tow. Martha hadn't moved in a long time. I looked under her bandages and her cuts were seeping pus and they were gray-green where they should have been pink. Police, they didn't know what to do with the place, and Johnny just stared at Jenny. I told them what had happened, but they didn't believe me. I showed them the claw head, and they said it was a fake that Martha had brought, that all it proved was that she was more a witch doctor than a healer. They tried to ask her questions, but she didn't answer them. By the time they took her to the hospital, it was too late. What was too late? She was filled with an infection. They said it was the fastest moving one they'd ever seen. More like, like a poison. It just twisted her up inside and it tore her body up. Something terrible. After that night, none of the kids in the neighborhood wanted to have anything to do with me. Even more so when the sheriff made me take back that claw hand. He said he didn't want some damn juju crap in his police station. I didn't know what to do with it. It was the last piece of that night left. The only thing I didn't clean up from that baby. And girl, it's haunted me for years. I throw it away. It comes back. I hide it. It falls out of my closet the next day. I pour holy water on it. It just smokes a little now. But that's it brought me nothing but misfortune and every time I see it I'm reminded that I couldn't help Martha and I couldn't even clean up what she asked me to clean that's what you get when you don't clean you follow me yes I'll go clean my room but grandma yes what happened to old Martha she died oh That's sad. Well, that's what old women do. They die. Empty my ashtray.
I hope you've enjoyed, if that's the right word, the show. I especially appreciate the fine actors who helped me with it. OSU student Roxanne Nepp, WCBE's Heather Anderson, WCBE intern Claire Greenlaber, and making a return appearance, Christina Yoho. More information about all these googly people can be found at www.crafttheshow.com. So please make that your favorite haunt, and I hope you'll check out the regular Wednesday night shows at 8 p.m. on the mighty WCBE 90.5. Until next time, this is Doug Dangler. Be creative.